All right, welcome everybody. Training two, doing it from my home office today. Um, so a couple couple of things that I wanted to cover today that are really important. Um, nothing too complicated. I think tomorrow and Thursday I'll dive a lot more deeper into more like pattern based stuff, uh, linguistics and that kind of stuff that you can really use uh, today. I'll still keep it a little bit more more basic and, and tactical in general. Uh, but today's a good example of for me, at least like what I'm dealing with today, today's one of those days, especially like most days where my, my discipline and my commitment to my schedule and what I've laid out for myself becomes pivotal in the execution, right? And you're really going to see this with door knocking, because if you're not extremely committed and disciplined with what you've set out to do in the morning, work out, meditate, you know, leading up to you doing prospecting, door knocking and everything after that, one deviation in that can create this ripple effect or domino effect that really throws everything else off. So in a sense, the cultivation of my mind, uh, my knowledge gathering, my education, my upkeep and my physicality and my dedication to sports and pushing myself athletically have then seeped into everything else. So now in my professional life, it's just another extension of that. If I'm disciplined and committed with everything else that I'm doing, naturally door knocking and all these other activities are going to come easier to me and more natural to me because, hey, I'm already doing everything else correctly. So now if I'm doing four things right, doing the fifth one becomes easier, right? So today I've been nonstop, boom, 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 boom. And I've had to do a lot, whether it's helping my team, training, talking to a client, doing this doing stuff for social media, getting back to somebody else, jumping on a show for a podcast or whatever it is. And it's very methodical. So as time has changed and I've taken on more and I'm doing more, the same basics apply. So the first thing that throws people off when it comes to door knocking and doing these prospecting activities is you're just overall not disciplined. You're not following your schedule and what you've set out to do for yourself. And that becomes a problem, right? So if we can't even create and carve out the time and have the dedication to commit to doing it from eight to 10 or 10 to 12 or two to three or whatever you decide, then forget it. It starts with that. That again, becomes an extension of everything else that you do. So you have to look at your life as a whole and say, all right, am I disciplined? If I write out a schedule from 6am when I wake up or whenever you wake up until you know 10pm when I go to sleep and I wrote out 30 things, how many of those things did I actually do? Because if you're doing five out of 30, well, you're already off to a bad start. If you're doing 25 out of 30, okay, now we're talking. You're pretty disciplined, especially compared to the average person. That's where it starts, okay? That way, when you show up to do your door knocking, especially since you're focusing on that in this challenge, your head is clear, the task is in front of you, and you know what you have to do. You're not distracted. You're not on Instagram. You're not on Facebook. You're not thinking about something else. It's, yo, I'm here to door knock and get it done because how you begin it tells me how it's going to go. If I have somebody show up with me, let's say you show up right now to where I'm living here in Miami and we're going to go door to door. If you already show up blabbing to me, oh man, I've had one of those mornings and oh, this is going on. I already know it's not going to be good and your mind is in la la land. But if you come here and you're like, what's up, dude? I'm energized. I'm ready to go. Let's hit these doors. Guarantee you that second version of you is going to do much better because your mind's already right and focused coming into it. But that's an internal process you have to do first with yourself. Okay. So let's, uh, let's start with a few basic things. Number one, the time of day in general. And I can tell you, I have done countless sessions over the years of door knocking in the morning, during the week, midday, evening, weekends, 
Okay. And I can tell you for a fact, from my experience of knocking all these doors, there's always deviations. There's no perfect time to door knock, right? I know some of you are going to, and I'm going to recommend you go to businesses too. Obviously for a business, you're going to have to go during their operating hours between nine and five, right? You might not be able to go super early or super late because the business is closed, right? But based on my experience, both going to businesses and, and homes, I might give you some tips on maybe a potential time where it might deviate slightly, but overall, there is no best time, okay? I've cold call and door knock early in the morning, midday, evening. There's no best time. I've gone Saturdays and Sundays where literally in three hours of me knocking doors, nobody will open the door or like five people will open the door. But I see them at home, but they're still not opening the door. And then I'll go on a Monday or Tuesday at 8 or 9 a.m. when supposedly everybody's at work and every other door is opening and I'm having conversations with one or both of the homeowners, right? So we, we will get caught up and spend weeks. Oh, what's the perfect time? Dude, just get out there and do it. There's no best time, right? Pick in your schedule as you're doing this door knocking challenge, the time that you're going to do it and that's it. You stick with it. You put that in stone. So if you say I'm door knocking 10 to 12, what happens? You tell everybody in your family and everybody around you. I go door to door from 10 to 12. Leave me alone. You can't count on me. I'm not going to pick you up from work. I'm not going to answer the phone. That's when I'm doing it. For the realtors in here or anybody who owns a business where you work with other people, you tell your vendors, your partners, your, your team members, your employees, hey, from this time to this time, I'm out on the pavement. Do not bother me. If you call me, I'm going to answer you at 12 when I'm done. Okay. And if it's a true emergency, which is going to be one out of a million times and text me SOS and I'll see, and I'll stop and call you when I take a break. Right. That's it. Everybody knows my schedule. I literally emailed a copy to my clients, to my vendors, and they know what's up. They knew when I was still a solo active agent. And they know now my agents that work for me from eight to 12, where our phones are on, do not disturb. And that's it. I tell that to the agents that we do transactions with. You need to talk to somebody. Here's my assistance number. Here's my transaction coordinator's number. I am unavailable from eight to 12. I am servicing my clients and I'm busy. My schedule is full. You do not have to explain yourself to people. The agents and people who call you and message you and email you frantically wanting a response are the other people right? They're letting their emotions cloud their judgment and all that stuff, right? And as silly as all this sounds, this is what automatically separates you from everybody else. Why? Now you're going to have less distraction. You're going to have less stuff to worry about. And you can wholeheartedly just focus on door knocking instead of having your mind and your attention being pulled a million different ways. When I door knocked, nothing else existed except for door knocking, right? Because the next thing is, what is the intent when you guys go, go door to door? I expected every door to open. I expected everybody to be happy to see me, right? Not that I required it, but that was really what I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the door. People are going to answer. They're going to talk to me. And I knew I wanted an appointment or at the very least, I wanted to have a good conversation that led to me capturing their information, their cell phone and their email. I didn't go in like, Oh my God, I hope people answer today. I hope nobody's in a bad mood. You're going to get what you expect. If I walk up expecting people to talk to me, aren't I naturally, am I not naturally going to like smile more and be more relaxed versus coming up all cautious? Like, oh, hopefully a dog doesn't come out and bite me, right? Hopefully they don't tell me to put on six masks and a face shield, right? 
if you're already coming in like that, you're souring the experience. You're only looking at one side of it and your emotions are already going to be off. You don't want that. You don't want that. If you come in with the other example that I gave you, now you're more cheerful, you're relaxed, you're not on edge because the first thing that gets transferred when you guys knock and somebody opens the door is how you are right now energetically. That's the first thing that they're going to pick up on because we pick up on all the subconscious stuff before we do on the conscious stuff. So if you're dressed sharp, you smell good, you're smiling, you're relaxed. Again, you're already fighting an uphill battle because you're knocking a stranger's door. But if your energy and your vibe is right, you, you've just earned yourself a couple seconds to get their attention, right? Because that's how this door knocking thing goes or prospecting in general. The first impression earns you the first three or four seconds. Then you doing well, those three or four seconds earns you the next 10 seconds. Then you doing well, the next 10 seconds earns you 20 more seconds, right? It's like this little step-by-step -step process. So think of it in chunks like that, right? So before you even knock on the door and it opens, they've already seen you. Did you win that battle? When they open the door, your facial expression and how you present yourself and your vibe, that split second, is that going to win, right? And every response after that tells you if you've won or not, all right? We got to start with that. So there's no best time, okay? Another thing I'm going to tell you, whenever you see people outside when you're door knocking, because if you're walking through neighborhoods, you're going to see people driving by, you're going to see people, um, you know, outside pulling up to their driveway, you're going to see them in uh, different situations. Hold on, guys, I think I have a, a package coming and I think I have to sign. Give me like 30 seconds. Never mind. Didn't have to sign. Cool. You're going to see people out and about, right? What you want to do, and this is where a lot of people that go door to door fail. Think about this. If you're out in a neighborhood and you're not engaging with those people, waving at people, opening conversations and being friendly, you're already labeled as a nuisance, like you don't belong and possibly shady. So when I see people out and about, even if I'm on the other side of the street in front here and I would see somebody at my house, if I happen to be looking their way and they look at me, I'll wave and be friendly. Okay. I engage with people. If somebody pulls in like their car in the driveway, I'll stop and give them space, like eight to 10 feet of space. And I'll wave and say, hi, I'm engaging first. I'm not waiting for people to wave at me or engage with me, right? That's the first thing you have to do as a door knocker is you're the one engaging. People are going to respond based how you are. So even if someone is disturbed by your presence, the fact that you're open, smiling, waving and engaging with them lowers that threat that they may perceive in you. Okay. Especially some of the guys that are here like me, we're big dudes right? The bigger you are, especially if you're a man, the scarier you're going to be in general to both men and women. Okay. If you're, if you're a female on here, you have the advantage of being less threatening physically than us. So use that to your advantage, right? You want to do that because if I'm walking in between homes and I happen to, let's say, wave at a neighbor or somebody and they're very receptive, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to walk up to them real quick because when they go back inside, if they're a homeowner, they may not answer the door. So if I have an opportunity to talk to somebody in their front lawn or across the street, someone who's being receptive, I'm going to go. Okay. So the protocol for that is you walk up, keep space, keep at least eight to 10 feet of space, engage with them. And as you guys start talking, you can start to inch your way a little bit closer to them. I tend to stay away from stepping on grass or any uh, type of lawn that they may have because they can perceive that as being disrespectful. I know a lot of trainers in the past have said, 
you know, cut down your in-between time at homes and just walk across the lawn. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Cause if you were walking across my lawn, I, I would yell out the window, dude, what the fuck are you doing? That would immediately turn me off to your potential offer. Cause I'd feel like you're disrespecting my house by walking all over the lawn, whether it looks good or not is irrelevant. That's their property and that's their house. Okay. So if there's a path or stepping stones, follow that. And now if I have to get closer to somebody and walk on the grass, I'm going to say, is it cool if I walk on the grass and I'll wait for their response. Okay. So as I'm getting closer, because you don't want to have a conversation with somebody standing 20 feet away. You want to be within, I would say two to three meters, right? Like four, four to six feet, ideally. So if you start being 15 or 20 feet away, you want to get closer. So people drive by wave. I'm telling you, be, be like the celebrity of the neighborhood. Because as you guys are door knocking more and more, especially in the neighborhoods that you frequent, the more friendly you are like that, people are going to recognize you. You may come across a pedestrian two weeks later on another block, and they'll maybe even engage with you. Oh, didn't I see you off, off Elm Street the other day? You were going door to door. I saw you walking, right? They'll be a lot more receptive to you. And that's what you want. Because those people driving around and, and out and about, are probably residents of that neighborhood. And if they've already made a positive contact with you, they're more likely to open the door and engage with you later on. Okay, keep that in mind. So I'm approaching the door. When you approach the door, make sure that you're already relaxed and that you're smiling. All of you need to start carrying a mirror with you. Smile, right? Even if it's awkward for you in the beginning because you feel dumb, like I did in the beginning, it felt all like forced. I'm like, we don't smile enough. I say that to people all the time. Sometimes I'll literally start an event. Like I'm doing another event this Saturday. I'll literally start the event by looking at everybody for like 10 seconds straight and just smiling at them to get them to smile and loosen up. Because a lot of people without realizing it, the majority of the population, you have what they, they call the resting bitch face, men and women. You think that your face is like calm and pleasant, but it's not. You look almost pissed off or that like you need to go to the bathroom. That's most people. Okay. It's been proven scientifically. You want to break barriers. You want people to be receptive to you. The number one tool and asset is a, a genuine smile and eye contact. But the first one is smile. You have to practice it more. Those of you who have your video on, look at your video. You can see yourself. Are you smiling most of the time or not? Right. Now there's going to be the, the after effect of that. Like I get you must be on something. Why do you have so much energy, right? People will say, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. If I get that type of response, my mind tells me I'm doing something right. All that means is you're different. That's literally what they're saying. You're not like everybody else. Why are you not like everybody else? You must be tripping or you must be sick or you must be on something, right? It's ridiculous. But practice that every day. Smile, smile. Practice it like wherever you guys go, even if people are used to you not being smiley, come in one day smiling and watch how everybody like, oh, what's up with you today? You know, especially if there's like a store or places that you frequent, people go, like, oh, man, you must be having a good day. huh? Like everybody will start treating you differently just because you smiled. It's insane. So if I approach the door smiling, right, I'm perceived as less of a threat and they're more likely to feel comfortable to open the door. Okay. Now, when you guys start, whether this was COVID times or pre-COVID times, I've always told people, you want to give space at the door. The biggest mistake I see people make is they knock and then they'll literally stand either on the welcome mat or like right behind it. So when somebody opens the door, they immediately feel like they need to move back. Remember, you're entering someone else's world. 
Okay. I would minimum myself give my height and distance, which is six feet, two inches. Okay. Now, if you're on a porch where there's little steps, like two or three steps, I would stand at the bottom of the stairs. Okay. You want to give the space when they open the door, do not wait for them to say, hello, you engage. Remember it's your responsibility. You always engage. Okay. Now, if they do happen to say something before you, the quickest tip I can give you is mirror people's language. If they say, Hey, you say, Hey, if they say hello, you say hello and keep it simple. Hi. They say, hi, hi, my name is Brian. This is the next line. You always want to say you are the owner. Yes. Same thing. If you go into a store, you're the manager. Yes. I want to always speak assumptively. They say, no, they're not the manager. Great. Are they in? If it's the homeowner, most of them are going to say yes or no, I'm the sister or whatever. Now, of course, you want to be speaking to a homeowner if possible. Ask if they're there. Now, if they're not and you're speaking to an adult, you can engage because an adult has the potential to either be a homeowner, be interested in buying or selling or whatever it is that you're offering, right? This is key. If you go to a business, but especially a home and a child or someone under 18 answers, the first thing before you introduce yourself is, is your mom or dad home? Go get them, please. You order them to go get their parents. Number one, if they're really young, they shouldn't be answering the fucking door, but you want to put yourself in a position where there's the least amount of possibility of somebody getting upset. If a minor answers the door, I send them. Is your mom or dad home? Please go get them for me. And when you order them like that, they'll just get the parent and the parent will come. They want, the little kid won't even ask you their name, which is what you want. And I say, hey, my name is Brian. You're, I saw that your son answered and I know he's a minor. That's why I asked him to get you. Most adults will respect that, even if they have no interest in talking to you. I've never done that and gotten cussed out or gotten an upset parent. They actually thank me. Because it would be kind of weird if they walk up to the door and you're talking to a 10-year-old. Does your mommy or daddy want to sell their house, right? It just seems weird. Okay, now you're introducing yourself. Hi, my name is Brian. Don't even start with your company name yet. Hi, my name is Brian. You're the owner, yes? Let them say yes first. The reason I ask it assumptively is sometimes I noticed when I would ask people if they were the owner, remember, we live in a world of fragile egos. They would think that I was dissing them and I didn't believe that they were the owner. Okay, that happened to me quite a few times. They wouldn't tell me directly, but by their facial expression and their response, like, yes, I could tell that they were offended that I asked them if they were the homeowner. So I made a note, right? Plus, they're a lot less likely to lie to you if you ask it that way. If I say, are you the homeowner? I know a lot of slick homeowners that don't want to talk to you that'll say no, because they think you're not going to talk to them as a realtor if they're not the homeowner. If they're an adult, I say, keep talking to them. But when you ask it assumptively, they're a lot more likely in the moment to say yes and be a little bit more genuine with you, okay? You say, hi, you introduce yourself. They say they're the owner. Great. That's when you can say, I'm a local real estate agent. Look, this is what you say next. I'll only be a second. I only have two or three questions for you and then I'll head to the next house or I'm out of here. I'll take 20 seconds of your time real quick. Any variation, that's called a false time constraint. It's false because you're still gonna stay there, but it's a time constraint, you saying, I'm only going to be here X amount of time. Whatever sounds smoother to you, come up with your own. You say it first. This eliminates any objection of, I don't have time, or I don't want to talk to you right now, or I'm busy. Now, before we continue, 
if you open the door and you sense or see stuff in the background, kids running, you can see that they're cooking and timers are going off, microwaves are going off, acknowledge that. Hey, I see you're pretty busy here with the kids. Do you have a second? Hey, I hear your phone ringing. Do you have a second? Right? Acknowledge it and then ask them if you, if you perceive and see stuff happening. Why? It's a sign of respect. But two, because people want to be polite, more often than not, they're going to be like, okay, make it quick. And they'll let you talk to them. Okay? These are just simple little uh, strategical things that are good. Okay? All right, now you start talking, right? Uh, my name is Brian, blah, blah, blah. In the beginning, I've already uploaded the scripts. It doesn't really matter what you guys say. You can give a market update if you want, which tends to be the most neutral and not as direct, right? Because you have two ways of approaching door-to-door -door any type of sale, direct or indirect. Direct is this. You want to sell your house. Very direct and to the point. Indirect would be me engaging in a sales conversation, but not directly asking a sales question that's a yes or no like that. By me giving a market update, hey, you know, we've had 63 homes sell in your neighborhood, in your subdivision in the last 50 days. Did you know that? Or in the last 30 days? They're going to say yes, no. I'm opening a conversation with the intent to sell them, but I'm not directly asking them if they want to conduct business with me right now. So that would be considered indirect. Okay. I see you guys asking questions. I'll get to that at the end. All right. So be patient. We now I pick either one. I can flow between either one personally because I'm very comfortable selling. I'm going to recommend to everybody. If you're newer and not as well-versed selling, you start with indirect because it's a little softer and you're going to be a lot less likely, even if you make mistakes to elicit a negative response out of somebody. Okay. Now, if you're well-versed, you consider yourself intermediate and advanced, you can go direct. I could literally go door to door. And the first question out of my mouth can be, do you want to sell? And I could still keep a conversation going. Most people can't. Okay. Because sometimes you get a more aggressive response. They'll say no. And they start to close the door and you don't know what to do in those moments to stop them. Right. But I'm going to recommend if you're beginner slash maybe beginning intermediate, you start with the indirect stuff. Now, moving forward, after that initial contact, you have the basic questions. How long have you lived here? What brought you to this area, right? Those are just information gathering questions and rapport gathering questions, right? Because not only are you getting them more comfortable with you, you're gathering information. Now, aside from the script, what are some other questions you can add? Well, think. If you're going door to door in a neighborhood, especially those neighborhoods, like I see a question about farming, right? It's important to gather information about that neighborhood. Why? Because then when you collect people's information, you're talking to new buyers and sellers, or you're educating people about that particular neighborhood, what better way to get information than from the people who live there? All right? Questions such as this, how has the neighborhood changed in the time you've been here? You can transition that into, by the way, how long have you lived here? That's a question on the script. How about what are the top three things you love about this neighborhood or living here? What are the three least favorite things about living in this neighborhood for you? What would have to change for you to want to move? That's another question. How is it at night here? Is it quiet? Is it loud? 
right? Giving you examples here of things that you can gather, because if you start getting from everybody that you door knock, oh, it's super quiet. You can raise a family here. Um, you know, those rumors about the, you know, the streets being always full of uh, parked cars is false. And they give you this information. That's stuff that you can note. Because guess what? Now, when you're working with a buyer or a seller, you have this information that other realtors don't have. And I tell people, Mr. Buyer, I've literally gone door to door in all these subdivisions and I've talked to probably 50% of the homeowners here. And I can give you in-depth information from the people who live here. Would that be of uh, value to you? Because people ask you, well, why should I use you as an agent? I have personal conversations and relationships with the people who live in the neighborhoods that you want to move in. Do the other agents? You know, that gives you access to potential off-market deals because some people will tell you, you know what, Brian, you knocked on my door. I may want to sell. I don't want to list though. But if I got 500,000 for my home, I'd sell. Well, guess what? I'm, I'm making note of that because you're going to come across these opportunities. So I can say, okay, Mr. Jim, if I bring a buyer willing to pay you 500, you're, really, you're ready to sell today. You have, I mean, you're giving me your word that you're not going to waste my time if I bring you a buyer. Great. And you know what I do? I have a whiteboard about the size of the wall behind me in the office. And I have those people written on that. Jim on Elm Street, 155 Elm Street, willing to sell for 500, doesn't want to list. And those little weird situations like that where those people are stubborn or maybe are lacking a little bit of motivation, but if all the stars line up, they're really ready to pull the trigger. I have dozens and dozens of those people. You know how many times I've been able to do two, three, four transactions off market by doing that? You see, this is one of the rewards of going door to door and having personal belly to belly conversations with people. But it really comes down to what conversation you have with them and, and the level of conversation that you're having with them. So when I ask what, what would have to happen for you to move or what would cause you to move, that's when that comes out. Oh, if I got, you know, the homes are selling here for 450. If I got 475 for it, I'd sell it. Boom. Because now if I have a buyer who's dying to live in that neighborhood, I can say, I have a potential opportunity for you and you won't have to compete with other people. Do you want to hear about it? What do you think they're going to say? Well, yeah, let me hear it. So now not only am I having conversations with people and I have insider information from homeowners, but I also have potential off-market opportunities for a buyer and a seller. What if you have a seller who wants to stay in the same neighborhood and you have one of these deals? Or you find a seller from a different neighborhood who wants to move into that neighborhood and you find them an off-market deal. I'm sure all of you right now, because the most markets are crazy, that would be invaluable to you. You see? But these people aren't going to post this on a Facebook post or group or answer a mailer and say this. Well, I'm not ready to sell now, Mr. Mailer who sent me, you know, agent who sent me the mailer, but it's not going to happen. But if you knock on their door and they happen to be home and they're comfortable with you in a conversation, they'll tell you this. Okay? But you have to be smart about it and keep that list. Keep it on your computer. Keep it on the whiteboard. It doesn't matter. But keep it. Right? So moving forward, I, I want to cover this with you right now. A lot of people still struggle getting uh, contact information at the door or, or whatever it is, right? And the next strategy I'm going to give you uh, for the business people too, the people going business to business. But if you're a realtor too, I'm going to recommend one day out of the month, you dedicate to going to businesses and, and door knocking and talking to them. But I'm going to give you a strategy to make it easy. So when you go for somebody's information, it's very simple. If you guys still carry uh, business cards, 
only give a business card to somebody who you're at the end of the conversation with and somebody who is willing to exchange information, meaning you're getting to the point of the information exchange. That's the people who earn your business card. Don't just give them out or leave them at the door because they're just going to go in the trash. This is the move that you do, okay? You end the conversation. So after you ask all the questions, you know what? Thanks for, for opening the door and talking to me today. By the way, my name was Brian. Yours was, and that's when I shake their hand, if I haven't already, okay? I give, gave my name again. By the way, again, my name was Brian. Yours was, and they'll say, Jim. Okay, Jim, great. Now, thanks for your time. Now, I'm going to pretend to walk away and take like a step. Once they think that the conversation is over, their defense goes, whoosh, it drops. So me being tactical, right when I turn, I'm going to go, oh, I almost forgot, right? Like it's so fucking spontaneous, right? Even though it's not. By the way, Jim, if you ever need anything, do you have a go-to agent to help you? And that's when you point to yourself. Now, most people are going to tell you, no, they don't. And a lot of people who say yes, they don't say yes. They say, well, I know my cousin or I know my neighbor, right? If they answer it like that, that's a no. The only way you're not going to go for their information is if they say, oh, yes, I use Team BC and I've done 10 transactions with them and they're my go-to people. Then you might want to pass. But very rarely does somebody have that level of connection with an agent. So whether they say no or that medium, yes, you go for their information and you say, great, why don't we do this? Remember, this is being recorded for those of you who want to listen to it again and write it down. Why don't we do this? Why don't we exchange information and stay in touch? And after I say that, I reach in wherever I have my business cards and ask them, do you have a business card? Okay. What's going to happen then is if they have a business card, they're going to say, yeah, I got one right here that has all their info. Or they're going to say, I have them in the house. Hold on. A lot of people are doing side hustles and have side businesses and their business cards are collecting dust. Okay. So they're happy to give it to you. Now, if they don't say no problem, here's mine. This is, this is what we can do. I'll text you my information. So you have it. The number is when you say that, look down, open your phone and wherever you're door knocking, Start the number sequence, naming their number with the area code. So where I'm at here in Miami, it's 305. Great. I'll text you my information so you have it. The number is 305. Don't look at them. Look down at your phone. Nine times out of 10, they'll finish it for you. Another strategy. Great. Let's see. I'll text you my information so you have it. Here. Hand them your phone. Have the contact open. The first page, right? You click the contact, boom. And if they're having trouble, you can add it. Okay. Those are two ways of getting their number. They'll finish it or they'll add their information. Now, if they say no, for whatever reason, that one off is like, oh, I don't want to get my information. Just say, look, you don't want to be spammed, right? Good. You have my word. I'm not going to spam you. This is just so you have my information. I'm going to shoot you a text right now just to make sure you have it. And we'll leave it at that. Fair. And again, most people there are going to say yes. If somebody tells you no three or four times, just move on right? Focus on the eight or nine out of 10 that you can get, not the one or two who don't give you their information, which is tactically too something that we make an error uh, with as realtors. You get in a room of a hundred people, 98 are interested, two aren't. And then you focus all your attention on the two that aren't instead of focusing on the 98 that actually want to do business with you. We just do that in general, right? Perfect. That's the sequence to get somebody's information. Now, 
for those of you going to business or realtors, like I recommend going to business, when you want to get their information, right? Whether you want to get their information or not, uh, an easy way to do it, this is an offer I make all businesses. For those of you who maybe haven't gone business to business or you don't have too much experience with it, I'm going to tell you this. All of you, wherever you live, start first with this strategy as I explain it to you. Start it with businesses that you already frequent or go to, whether that be a restaurant, barber, your CPA, right? Or tax person, if you go to like H&R Block or whatever, um, maybe a place where you do your hair, um, a place where you buy jewelry or clothes, or maybe it's like a small mom and pop shop or even a bigger one that they know you. Start with businesses who you're at least a familiar face in and you're not a complete stranger, where at least there's, hello, how are you, right? All of you go to businesses like that locally, or you know people, it might be your family might be your mechanic, whoever it is. Go in there, right? You don't have to schedule ahead of time, but go in when you know the manager or the owner's there, okay? And say, look, Mr. Manager, right? I'm Brian, in case you know we haven't, you haven't met them. If they already know you, say, hey, dude, I would, love, I would love to promote your business and do some free marketing for you. Are you cool with that? And now no one's going to say no to that, just so you know, all right? And say, great, this is my idea. Why don't we do a quick, one minute video, 30 second video, two minute max. I can, I can ask you about the history of your business. I can ask you one or two questions and we'll wrap it up. And then I'll feed it to everybody in my database here locally. And I'll put it on my social media, 100% for free. Now they're either going to do it then, or you have to set up another time to go back and do the video. All right? If they're shy about being on video, say, this is what we can do. I'll shoot you over the two or three questions beforehand so you can prepare an answer if being on camera is a little bit more um, challenging for you. And then before I release it, I'll send it to you, the edited copy for your approval. Fair? They'll say yes. Okay. Once you do the video, it's simple. Hey, what's up? This is Brian with eXp Realty. You always promote yourself. And I'm standing here with Jim who owns XYZ restaurant here in Miami. And I wanted him to introduce himself and tell you a little bit about it. Hey, I'm Jim. This is our restaurant, blah, 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 blah. Right. That's question one. Tell us about your restaurant. Okay. Number two, number two is what differentiates his business, fill in the blank. What makes your restaurant different from all the other ones here in Miami? What's your thing? Oh, well, we have this unique plate, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we have a rich history. He's going to, he's going to do his thing. Right. And then lastly, I always ask them, you have a unique selling proposition. You have a unique value proposition. Why should people come to this restaurant today to check it out? And he'll tell you, come today because blah, blah, blah. Okay. Those are basically the three questions I ask. Tell us about it, right? Where did the idea start? Why did you put a restaurant here? What makes it different? And why should people come here? Okay. Now you can fill that in for any business. Or if you want to change the questions, go for it. But keep it short. Three questions or less. Now. When I wrap up the video, I'm going to say again, this is Brian with eXp Realty. Hey, if any of you seen this video, come to Jim's restaurant. Make sure you tell him Brian sent you. End video. Okay? That'll come in later, and I'll tell you why. But now that we shot the video, guess what? Hey, man, once I have it all prepared, once I have it all prepared, I'd love to shoot it over to you so you can check it out. What's your best email? What's your best phone number? And now I get all their information. It's an exchange at that point. Okay. Now that person is in my database. Now I have a business owner in my database instead of just a regular homeowner. Pretty simple. Okay. Now 
When you do that, you can post that on your YouTube. You can post it on your Facebook. You can post it on your Instagram. You can send out and start a series that you send to your database and say, hey, once a month, I'm going to feature a local business here and send it to you guys so you can get to know a little bit more about our neighborhood and some of the people who are contributing to this beautiful city or county. And once a month, as part of your email drip campaign, you send it. Now, if somebody does watch that video and go to Jim's restaurant and they say, hey, I saw the video that you did with Brian, guess what? That restaurant owner loves you that much more now because you're bringing him business and you did him a favor. Now you're buddy, buddy with that business owner. Okay. If you do this, I recommend you do it once every two weeks, but if you do this once a month at three, four or five businesses within a year, you're going to have a lot more contacts. People are going to know you and you're going to build a reputation locally. And you're going to be that go-to person. Alejandra's on this call. She's a part of team BC in Vegas. She's putting together a, a small business event where she's featuring small businesses in Las Vegas and she's doing an interview series with them. And it's great. This is going to be a great way for her to position herself in that city and in all of Nevada, probably. And it's just an idea that came up through uh, one of the masterminds that we had recently as a team. And she's actually implementing it and doing a good job. She already has two or three interviews scheduled leading up to the event where she's featuring them. And then we're going to do the event and I'm going to fly out and be at the event and contribute as well. It's going to be cool. But that's another way for you guys to take door to door and apply it to building a database, building relationships, and this will build you more long-term. It's great content for your social media. It's a great way to get higher level players in your database. And overall, it builds your reputation. That's what you want. You want people, when you knock on their door and they open the door to say, I know who you are. Or, oh, aren't you the guy that promoted the local businesses? Oh, I saw the interview that you did with so-and-so. Because you think those businesses aren't going to share that stuff on their social media? Of course they are. Of course they are. Okay. What else do we got here? Okay. Some stuff that I didn't cover with you guys. If in the beginning, when you guys are having conversations with people, you hear any variation of, and we'll cover all of them, right? Like not interested. I don't want to do anything right now, right? You guys are dealing with unconscious responses. Anytime people come across someone who initially they believe is just going to sell them, they're just going to say that. It just comes out. Oh, you're a realtor. We're not interested. We don't want to sell. Okay. Even before you ask the question, they're going to say that. You have many tactics that you can employ. Some of the simplest ones that I do that actually work very well is I acknowledge it. They say not interested. I say, yeah, no problem. And what do I do? I go right to the next question. It's that simple. It works. Okay. What do we typically do? They say not interested. And then you get into this ramble. I'm going to talk fast mode to try to get them to not close the door or talk to me. That's the wrong move. Now you're being reactive. You need to be proactive. Not interested. No problem. Hey, by the way, get into what you're saying. I was actually stopping by to let you know that we've had 65 homes selling your neighborhood in the last 30 days. Did you know? Now, right there, you're going to think, well, most people are just going to close the door. No, they don't. They actually don't. They keep talking to you. Most of them. Some will, but most actually keep talking to you. Not interested. No worries. I'm not selling anything. Those of you who are selling things, no worries. I'm not going to sell you anything right now. That's the response. So if I'm actually selling something, that's my response. I'm not going to sell you anything right now. So whatever your response is, once you say it, you immediately move into your next question. No worries. I'm not selling anything. I was stopping by because blah, blah, blah. Let you know we've had 65 homes sell. 
Your neighbor's home sold. Mr. Johnson, two doors down, the three bed, two bath. Did you see that? And I'm right into my script. Obviously, you don't want to sell, Mr. Seller. How long have you lived here? Cool. Since you seem like you're happy here, are you? Great. What are the top three things about living here? If I had a buyer with me right now, how would you sell this neighborhood to him? And as they're talking, I'm writing stuff down or making notes in my phone and tell me, you know, I'm writing this stuff down. This is good. See, now we're in a different conversation. But whenever you get that not interested stuff, blah, 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 don't even worry about it. What happens is you let it throw you off. I almost expect it coming in. You know why? Think about this. When is it ever the perfect time to knock on somebody's door or interrupt their day? Never. It's not like the homeowner is going to say, you know what, Brian, between uh, 2.45 p.m. and 2.50 p.m., I'm going to be available for a short conversation if you want to come back. Everyone's busy or doing something. Or even if they're sitting on the couch watching TV, they're doing something. They don't want to talk to you. No one's going to willingly be like, oh, yeah. Again, you have to take charge, take the initiative, and lead the conversation. It's going to go as far as you want it to go. If you bend or fold at the first not interested or objection, you're not going to have conversations with anybody. And, it, and at times, you almost have to force it. Are you going to be okay in that moment of discomfort, though? I am. I thrive in that fucking moment. I love it. It's the same thing when you ask somebody to sign, and then there's a long pause or silence. Can you keep your mouth shut during the silence, or do you start rambling? I can sit there quiet and smile for a minute. That's not a problem. You need to learn to thrive in those moments of discomfort, because that's what separates the champions from everybody else. I live for that shit. I love those awkward moments. Why? Because I know I'm not going to break. I'm going to come out on top. Remember, on top of that, the average person is not socialized. They're not comfortable, not only with themselves, but talking to a stranger. So of course, even if you're doing everything right, you still might not get the right response from them. It's okay to get not interested. It's okay to get disinterest. It's okay to get unfavorable facial expressions or emotional reactions from them. Like signs, visible signs of them being uncomfortable. That stuff will go away as you start to initiate and talk to them more and more and more and more. I mean, shit, some of the events that I do, we just did a free event last weekend and a couple of people in the audience, as we're speaking, I'm like, damn, they look almost upset. But then after the event, those are the same people that are like, oh my God, that was incredible. Well, it goes to show what I told you in the beginning. Some people don't even realize their facial expressions and body language is just the opposite of what they're actually feeling. Why? We've become disconnected with that. No one besides like you guys and the people who train are actually thinking about that mind-body connection and working on it. So people just go around like zombies. Like, are you, do are, are you okay? Oh, I'm super happy. It's like, dude, but you look miserable. Doesn't make any sense. So that same person is talking to you now at the door. Even if they're interested, you're looking at them like, oh, shit, this person wants nothing to do with me. But if you're caught up in that, instead of just tactically being correct, that's what messes you up. When you focus on the strategy and what we're supposed to do and you just implement, you're doing what you're supposed to do, you will get the response. You just can't always be looking for what you think is supposed to happen, right? Same thing with this. I'll give you another quick move that you guys can do in the beginning. If you guys are talking to somebody and you have your space, like let's say it's the person's right here in front of me and you sense as you're talking to them, they're pulling away from you, right? They want to close the door. They're not being receptive. As you're talking, now this takes a lot of practice. I recommend you role play it a lot. As you're talking, take small half steps back as you're talking, right? And do that slowly. 
until you feel like them pulling away now has stopped or they started coming towards you. In specific moments, you'll notice it. Number one, when you say things like, I'm not selling anything or I'll only be a second. Sometimes that statement elicits people to literally come outside and close the door and be like, okay, what's up? Which is a very positive thing, okay? Another time when you're doing this, this walking back, there'll be a moment, again, where they either stop or they start coming towards you. That's when you stop that immediately. If they take a step towards me, I'm gonna take a step towards them. Another move you can do, if you guys are ever gonna have flyers, only have one copy. Because if they ask for it, it's an easy way for you to use um, uh, plausible deniability. That's what it said, plausible deniability to give them more information. You know what, it's my last copy. I'll take a picture and text it to you. There you go, and you can get their email as well. But another way to build comfort quicker is to break people's personal bubble space and then retreat. So let's say Mr. Homeowner's right here and I talk market information or I give some sort of statistical thing or fact or educational piece from my script or from my marketing piece, I can, this is what you do. You don't walk up to them face to face and show it to them. You swing around shoulder to shoulder with them and you show it for a second, then you step back. If I, if I can demonstrate that I can, in quotes, violate your personal space, but then back up, I make you more comfortable. What do we normally do? We violate people's space without realizing it, and then we stay there and stay there and stay there. You have to remember, especially man-to-man, -man, going up to a man, square shoulder, face-to-face, -face, makes the other man very uncomfortable. They're immediately, even women too, it's going to make you, you feel yourself pulling back. Right? If you guys ever go to networking events, you know the people who aren't well socialized, they do that all the time. They'll just walk up to you. Hey, it's like, dude, back up. Like, are you trying to fucking, you know, check out my teeth or something? You're like right up in my fucking face. It's too much. But again, people aren't well socialized. They don't understand basic social dynamic principles. It's pretty fucking scary when you think about it, how bad. And a lot of them are older than me. I'll be 36 in June. It's crazy. I'm like, dude, 40 years old and you don't know how to talk to somebody? Give me a break. When are you going to learn? So let's see. Good. We'll stop there. If you guys have questions, I'll answer them. I'll go through the, um, the chat right now. If any other questions come up, type them. You can announce them. But let me first go through one or two that I saw here. And then I'll open it up if you guys want to unmute yourselves and ask a question. How do you farm neighborhoods? Okay. I personally am not a big farmer, my friend. But I can tell you this. If you want to farm a neighborhood, I would create a, at least a minimum, a two-year plan. Because from my experience, the colleagues that I have been friends with in the past that farmed, none of them started seeing consistent results till at least 12 to 18 months uh, of consistent farming. And that meant that they would touch their farm once a month with either notepads, right? Um, they would send some sort of mailer, like every other month or every third month, they would go visit that person or neighborhood in person and knock, or they would every quarter, like once every three months, they would take a special gift. Like I have a friend who he farmed like a subdivision of like a thousand homes. It was like this luxury market. And once a month, he would go and knock and give them a gift. Like he created a, a custom, I know this isn't it, but like a wine opener about this size. And he, and he was a piece of metal and he engraved his information on it. Right. And he would give them that once a quarter. And then every other month, he would go knock on their door or drop a notepad. So he was constantly touching them. So if you're going to farm, that's the type of stuff that you're going to have to do. I'm not a fan of farming personally, 
But again, create a two-year plan, right? Come up with something like that. And minimum, you have to touch them once a month to see consistent results. The best way to do it, if you have the money, is to send a mailer. Also, always door knock, no soliciting, no soliciting signs. Yes, always knock them. Always knock them. Always, always, always. You're going to get some upset people, but it's rare. Um, I got a question. Let's see. Is there a website that has editable flyers that you might know of? I don't know personally, but what I would recommend you guys do is this. Link up with one of your vendors, your lender. Create a very basic flyer if you're going to make one. Just one and carry it with you. In the beginning, to create the flow, get out there and knock without a flyer. Later on, you can do it. If you're promote, promoting an open house, cool, right? If you're doing something like that, the flyer can come in handy. However, in general, it's not a, a necessary requirement, right? So how do you go about it if you farm? Well, you have a lot of strategies, right? And I'm going to cover that probably on some of the other calls where I deep dive on each strategy. But you can do preview and door knock. I would, uh, as an example, a great strategy. You can go preview every day in the afternoon, pick one or two homes, like new listings, go preview them, go look at them, right? Start to get familiar with some of the inventory. Guess what you think it's going to sell for and how quickly it's going to sell and keep notes of it so you can start learning your market. Then, like, let's say it was my house, I would go out and I would knock 20 doors around the preview, five to the left, five to the right and 10 across the street. And I would tell them, I just went to go look at the new listing next door. Have you seen it? Boom. Now we strike up a conversation and I'm letting them know, but I'm also using it as an opportunity to educate myself and also prospect at the same time. You can door knock expireds, old and new. You can door knock for sale by owners and their neighborhoods, right? You can do just as it just sold. You can do an open house on the weekend and door knock inviting people to the, um, you know, to the open house. You can door knock pre-foreclosures. You can door knock probates if people still live there, right? You can call them too. I mean, there's so many, so many strategies you can use to door knock. I'd recommend in the beginning, if you guys don't have a plan yet, like I said yesterday on the call, just start door knocking where you live. Then as this challenge goes on, you can start refining your strategy more and more. But the first thing is just get out there and do it. Unmute, go ahead, Harley. Uh, what's the best line to cut the convo? Oh man, great one. So if someone's rambling on, I say, oh, you know what, Mr. Seller, I'd love to stay and talk. However, I have an appointment or I promised my broker I'd knock 20 more doors. Let's do this. Let's continue this conversation later. Let's exchange information. Boom, that's what I do. Otherwise, you guys will be talking to too many people. All right, oh, uh, hi, can you hear Harley, me? what's up, man? Can you hear me? Yep. Uh, hey, uh, I was wondering, uh, this is kind of off topic, but I was wondering what you exactly covered in Modern Success. Cool. Message me after, dude, and we'll talk. All right. All right. Oh, one more question. Do uh, you have like a spreadsheet or something that we could track all these numbers on? A spreadsheet? Um, I can ask Greg to put a spreadsheet in the group. I think that'll be good because then you guys can document like what leads you're going after and all that. So I'll talk to him and you'll put it in the group. He'll upload it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Cool. You're welcome. Hey, Brian. What's up, man? Okay, so yesterday I went door knocking. I knocked on 75 doors and I got two listing appointments. One of them, I knocked on their door. I said, hey, there's a bunch of buyers here. Are you looking to sell? He said, yes, he is. He said, I said, okay, I'm going to come on Thursday at 10 a.m. The other one, they invited me inside their house. And he said he's willing to rent for six months when he sells his house. 
but it's Monday, the appointment. Now, when do I follow up with them? Good question, man. So first of all, fantastic. You guys see door knocking works. Number two, go in the script book that I uploaded in the group. There's a, a sheet there. I forget what page it is. It's called the seller pre-qualification sheet. Next time you want to do it on the spot. Uh, but for the appointment Thursday, I would call them today. And even for the appointment Monday, I'd call them today, right? And go through that pre-qualification sheet and make sure you ask them every question, okay? That's going to qualify the appointment to make sure they're legit. Questions such as, when we meet Thursday, if everything looks good, are you ready to start the process and hire me? You want them to say yes, right? You want to find out the condition, how much they owe, what their time frame is, if it's going to be a problem if they sell in 30 days or less. That pre-qualification sheet gives you all the information you need to not only see if they're a legitimate appointment and they're ready now, but also prepare them for what's about to come. Because when you go over or any of you go for a listing appointment, it's not to have tea and have a chat. It's to get a contract signed. So call them immediately. I'd call them today and take that sheet from the script book, the seller pre-qualification sheet, and go through every single question. And if after that, everything checks out, then you go to the appointment and you get the listing. So that's on the Facebook group, right? Yes, I uploaded it last night. It's under the file section in the Facebook group. Yes. Perfect. Thanks. Cool. And what a story. 75 doors, two listing appointments. Is that always going to happen? No, but that's incredible. One of our team members, uh, Reina, I don't know if she's on here. She committed to door knocking again. And in her second week, she door knocked, found a buyer who's already qualified for 1.9 million. Their agent sucks and their lender sucks. So now she's about to get that, that buyer for 1.9 million. It's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty good commission. Any other questions, y'all? If not, again, if you guys have any questions throughout the week, you can post them in the group and I'll answer them. Uh, you're more than welcome to do that. And then remember this group, the Facebook group and the lectures that I post, you guys will have lifetime access. So you can always come back to the group um, and watch the videos and the trainings and all that. I'm never going to delete it or, or close the group. Oh, yeah, I have a question. Um, so I was thinking about uh cold calling in the morning and door knocking from five to eight i was wondering if you had any thoughts on cold calls or should i because i i know you mentioned in the first lecture that cold calling i mean door knocking is at the top and then it comes everything else so i was wondering uh, what were your thoughts on that both are good man i always did both at a high level and i meant like if you're competing with other people, you, the door knock will normally beat the cold call. I wouldn't get too caught up in that though, because as an example, some people that you door knock won't answer the phone, but they'll answer the door. And then some people that you call will answer the phone, but they won't answer the door if you knock. So by you calling and knocking, you're able to talk to possibly more people. And that's why you do it. It's a different type of lead source and it gives you different opportunities that otherwise, if you only door knocked, you wouldn't you wouldn't have, you know, so I would always recommend to everybody do both. Yeah, if, if no one else has another question, can I ask another one, Brian? Oh, absolutely. You guys are open to ask as many as you want. Okay, so um, uh, at the door yesterday, I was I didn't ask who's your go to agent because I was kind of like scared. Should I ask that every time? Or it depends. I mean, if the conversation is good, bro, and you don't have to ask and you can just get their information, of course, just go straight for it. Um, I just use that dialogue that I gave you as like a segue 
and it makes getting their information step-by-step step very easy and simple, right? So it's like a setup question to get their information. But if you guys are talking to somebody and the moment is good, you're having a really good conversation, you won't even have to ask it. You can just be like, you know what? Let's exchange information. And you can just hand them your phone or get their number. You won't have to ask them if they have a go-to agent. So as you guys get better, based on the vibe, you'll know when you need to be right by the book or when you can just go for it. Like some people, dude, they come out with good energy and they're receptive and I shake their hand right away. And then we were like already in rapport. Some people, I have to fight an uphill battle because they're very resistant to me. So it's a situational thing. In general, I would say ask, but if the vibe is good and they're very comfortable with you, super comfortable with you, you don't have to ask it. Okay. Yeah, you'll develop that. Like all you, all you guys will develop that instinct and that feeling, right? Even outside of real estate, if you guys start socializing with a lot of people and you just get comfortable doing it, you'll start being able to pick up on those signs very quickly. You already probably can now. You just have become so out of touch with listening to that, your intuition that you're kind of, you kind of have become disconnected with it, right? But as you do this more and more, you become more comfortable, the nerves go away, and you'll start being able to see, hey, this person's ready, this person's not. It's the same thing when you guys are on the phone or at the door and you have somebody who's interested. Sometimes you can just go straight for the appointment. You don't even have to ask a lot of questions. Same thing on the phone. There's been times where we're two questions in and I set the appointment. And I didn't have to ask every question on the script, but you develop that feeling and skill and intuition over time. So when you look for a market update, is that info on our MLS? Well, you can kind of run that um, check for yourself on the MLS. Like as an example, if you guys are going to door knock in a particular zip code, like let's say, you know, Miami 33179, I can look how many homes have sold in the last 30 days in 33179. And if it's, um, you know, 55, I can say, great, 55 homes sold in the last 30 days in that area, right? I can say in your area, if I'm door knocking in that zip code, right? Or you can do month to month. Have the sales gone up or gone down, right? And you can report that if they've gone up 15%, the amount of pendings, like I say, hey, pendings have gone up 15% in the last 30 days. Did you know that? It all depends on how you want to present it and what metric you want to give, right? So I don't think you can go wrong with it, but yeah, you can use the MLS, another good, um, website. I'll type it here. I don't know if they have market data for everybody, but they're really good. I used to pull up quick reports from them. DQ news. Um, great content. Thank you, Adriana. Appreciate it. Uh, when you door knock without a flyer, do you hand anything to them or just start talking? No, I just talk. I don't hand them anything. As a manner you're talking about the one in your files for Facebook. Yes. That's the script book. Correct. The book of yes. 3.0. I think that's what it's called in the group. But yeah, um, like I mentioned in the beginning on the first lecture, door knocking, for those of you really looking to, for lack of better words, get more comfortable in your own skin, door knocking is going to help you a lot. Door knocking is going to help you a lot. In your course, uh, Modern Success, do you give out the same scripts or are they different? You might have more scripts, but there's no special scripts. I don't give anybody hardly. Like I don't have oh, okay. like special ones like... You know, certain ones in the group, maybe I've only given in certain products or at certain events will be in the group, but like, there's no special script that I give anybody at any time. You know, it's the same script books, objection handlers. It's the same stuff you guys can get online, you know? Oh yeah. Oh. There's, 
Uh, this is another question about modern success. My bad, but uh, it's cool, dude. Was, this is what we'll do because this is the event. Uh, if you have yeah. a lot of questions, DM me on like Facebook or Instagram. Send me a voice message or list off all your questions, and I'll personally answer them for you. Cool. Okay, thank you. I really appreciate yeah, that. No worries, man. No worries. I just I don't want to you know take away from the event, uh, the training. So if you want to show proof of the market and it's on a flyer, let them see the flyer and don't give it out. You don't have to give proof necessarily, but if they want a copy of the flyer, if you only have one, that gives you the plausible deniability to be like, you know what? I'll just take a picture of it and send it to you, right? It's an easier way to get their number is what I'm saying. That's why I do it. Because if you hand people stuff, you can if you want, but if you guys are going to be handing out a lot of flyers, it's going to cost you a lot of money, especially if you get a high quality flyer, it could cost you hundreds of dollars a week. And a lot of people don't have that money. If you do have it, by all means, go for it. You know, it's just something to think about, you know? Cool. Yeah. ABC, do you have a different approach for houses that are in distress when you door knock? Um, I don't know if I have a different approach. Uh, if, you know, it's like a pre-foreclosure or something like that, I'll be sensitive to the situation uh, and be a little bit more empathetic. But those in my experience are hit or miss. Some people are just so upset. You're probably gonna have to come back multiple times. Some people, a lot of those people won't answer the door because they know a lot of people are trying to hunt after them. But in my experience, the, the few kind of pre-foreclosure or distress transactions that I've done, it's taken um, like a multiple step approach, right? It's never like I go there, oh yeah, yeah, I need help. And then boom, I help them. It's like three, four, five, six contacts once in person, three or four times on the phone connecting them with my lender, right? It's a little bit more tedious in that sense, but the approach overall, I would say is the same. For sure. Thank you. And what about properties that are in physical distress? I mean, if you walk through a neighborhood and you notice that one house is completely different from the other ones, I mean, it's a little bit more decrepit, the roof is all broken and someone that's elderly answers it. And you kind of have a somewhat good conversation, but they, they basically tell you, like, I'm going to die in this house. Like, is there anything you can potentially do about that? Or well, how would you, you know, if, if they don't have the desire to move, I can't really force them, you know. Um, I guess it just depends because those situations, normally they don't answer. And then I'll make note of it. And then I'll pull up the information and call because it's normally an absentee owner. And I'll see if they want to sell. Mm -hmm. But if it's an elderly person there that wants to die there, I can't force them to sell, you know, so I will, yeah. if I can capture their information and stay in touch with them in case something changes. But in that moment, I mean, there's not much I can do. You know, I can't like pull out a gun and be like, you're going to sell old man, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you, man. Thank you. Yeah. You hold off on giving out your business card. Uh, yes, I do. I only give it to people who are engaging in a conversation with me and that we have a decent conversation, Harold. I don't just hand it out because if you leave it on doors or you just hand it out, people are going to throw it away. Right. If we have a decent conversation, a minute, two minutes, three minutes, right? Even if they refuse to give me their information, but we had a decent conversation, yeah, I'll give them my business card. Why not? But there has to be at least a level of conversation and connection. I'm not just like here, here, here. Like you see people at the networking events will approach you with their business card. So I do this shit. I'm gonna throw it away. Right. How do you end it if they can't do anything yet? You want to stay in touch. The same line that I gave you earlier, Harold. You, you, you don't have to do the whole move about walking away. You just say, great. Well, if, if anything comes up in the future or you do know somebody who has a need in real estate, do you have a go-to agent? That's how you do it. Right? The same line that I gave you earlier in the 
lecture, which you can go back in the recording. It's the same thing, same sequence, whether they're interested or not. If we had a good conversation. I want to capture their information, right? Why? Because if you have a good conversation with them and you capture their information, they're going to be pleasant to talk to, right? I don't want, you know, assholes in my database or when I'm calling people like, oh, I don't want to talk to this guy. I want people who I had a pleasant conversation with that I already met that we talked to on the phone or in person and it builds your database with good, solid contacts. That's what I want. So even if they're not interested now, ask yourself this, guys, if they're not interested now, does that mean they're not going to be interested in the future or have a need? Well, no, they may get a call in a month that they need to have a job transfer and they'll move. Well, if I have their information and I just met them, I'm probably going to get that transaction. You see, so this builds your business in the short term, potentially, like you saw with our friend who got two listing appointments right away, but it also builds it long term if you do it correctly. The one mistake that I made was I wasn't uh, adamant about collecting people's information right when I started because I was so hungry for a deal. Every good conversation captured their information. Yep, people you stay in contact with, yes. Connect, put them on a drip, put them in your CRM, call them from time to time, depending on how you have it set up and stay in touch with them. Cool, all right, guys, we'll see you tomorrow, same time. I'll drop the link again and uh, any other questions, post them in the group. All right, peace.